Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brewery Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. Mr. Guy Halford. All right. Not extraordinary. Stop calling me a knob to his <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, He's twiddling knobs. Did you notice that Ryan, when he said hello, he moved his arms like he was on like a, um, you know, like a boat like with Jolly Roger. Oh, welcome to Geeky Brummy, Captain Pogwash. <laughs> and you may have heard our special guest star in the background there. Hello, Mr. Graham Woods. Hello, good evening. If not met Graham before, Graham runs the Jaws 19 YouTube channel. On the YouTube, YouTube. Yes. <laughs> surprisingly, on which you've appeared, and Jaws nineteen show on Twitter as well. So go and follow if you're not already doing that. You can see Callan Days' knees if you really want to. <laughs> Full on knee action. You, see, you can see Keith in the most controversial quiz of all time. Oh yes, and Graham's top fives are amazing as well. So check those out. Thank you very much. All right. So what we usually do to start the show is we just say what we've been up to this week. Keith, do you want to start us off? Do you really I'm preparing for this. Yeah, okay. I got on the lift with him, and he was just like, I asked him how his week's been, he was like, <sighs> like that, so. Yeah, I've been rehearsing in my head the words that I'm going to say next. <laughs> in my head, in my head. So I'm going to say it, I was pondering this week the utter futility of the entirety of human existence, and also why large brains was uh, evolution's biggest mistake. Other than that, I've been tip topping down there. I mean, if he'd fluffed that after he prepared it, I think he'd have I just cleaned the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say again? I've already forgotten it. Large braids are evolution's worst mistake. Yeah. I thought it was opposable thumbs, to be honest. No, because you need to be open, able to open a tin can, don't you? I thought it was it's Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> As a result of the large brain. Everything stems from the large brain. Let's see. I shall write a thesis about it. That's <laughs> and then maybe a BBC4 documentary. But what? then you have to get Mark Mode to present it, and nobody wants that. No. And that's because <laughs> I'm not doing a show called Mark Mode States the Obvious About Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I've yet to see this programme, which everybody is raving about, and but we've sown seeds of doubt already. <laughs> My no, wife and I watched it about is... 10 minutes of it when we got home from Mission Impossible Fallout last night, and I was like, yeah, it's just Mark Mode without Simon May. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, if you've never seen a film, it's great. <laughs> if you've ever seen a film, it's just Mark going, yeah. You and you go, oh, right. Seen a film. It's like, isn't, isn't Mark have you ever noticed in heist films, there's like crime and then <laughs> there's a mastermind and they assemble the team and you go, oh my God, I've missed this completely. Every time I've watched these movies. Isn't Mark Camus just a poor man's Mark Lamar? You've never seen them in the same place. And they're <laughs> both right. got Mark as a first <laughs> Maybe it's a split identity we're working with here. I think one's, one's considerably older. They could oh, be no, I think they're pretty close, aren't they? Well, yeah. I'm actually going to give this let's, a Google. Let's Google this, Ryan. Okay, you Google Mark Lamar, and I'll Google Mark Commode. I'd like to see them forming like an Elvis tribute band. <laughs> or a 1950s skiffle band. One yeah. of them want to watch. Talking of Elvis, this is a great little anecdote. That, um, the, we have an alarm test every week at work, and the security guard who does the alarm test... At the end of the alarm test, every week goes, ladies and gentlemen, very much. <laughs> like that. Every Thursday, nice. without fail. It's brilliant. That's a nice touch. Right. <laughs> so, Brian's Googling it. Brian, I'm, I'm, watching my, age. I'm watching my 4G just spin slowly. Ever so. Like, so, introducing elements of competition, I'll guess their ages. Okay. Shall we guess Mark Lamar's first? All right. Guy, how old do you think Mark Lamar is? 54. I think Mark Lamar is 52. Keith? 
How old do you think Martin Lawrence? He's Googled it, he knows the answer. No. No, he's Googled Martin 48. He's actually slap bang in the middle of all your age. It's 51. Oh, I was closest. I said 52. Yeah, you were closest. I get a huge prize. You can get have an M&M crispy. Oh, uh, open smack. I <laughs> pretty much guarantee that Mark Commode is older than that. I say Mark. Do you want me to find Mark Commode? Well, yeah, because we're going to do higher or lower. It's higher, definitely higher. I think he is 55. Uh, uh, <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> 53. Mark Commode is Cthulhu, is it? He's right now. Guy ought to go on the Jules Knight in quiz. What's your answer, Guy? Ah, Guy didn't get that right. Controversial. He didn't say any words. He did a mighty fine impression of Ryan, though. Keith, how old do you think Mark Commode is? I'll take Mark Commode is 56. He is 55. So there's four years between two. I've got that bang on. That is definitely worth another eminence. So they are not very far apart in age at all. Yeah, but if they were in a film together, they could obviously play father and son. And Mark Kermode's <laughs> real name is Mark James Patrick Ferry. <laughs> That's Kermode's real name. He changed his name from that to Kermode. <laughs> that, that just reminds me of Men in Tights. What's your surname? Latrine. What did it used to be? Bleep. <laughs> Why would you change your name to Kermode? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can imagine being Mark Ferry at school is not a good starting point. No. So I'll change my name to Mark Toilet. <laughs> is, there, is there such a thing as the big book of stage names? Yes, you um, can just go through looking for a stage name like Mark, they do babies. Mark Lamar, original name, really boring, Mark Jones. Mark Jones. <laughs> <laughs> See, Kermode could have had that. He could have gone from fairy to Jones <laughs> instead of fairy to toilet. That's strange. Fairy <laughs> to washing up liquid. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure we're not going on the uh, mail and commotion yeah, podcast anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Mark, either Mark, if you're listening, we're sorry. We, we humbly apologise and you're welcome on my YouTube channel. There's, nothing, there's nothing amusing about a surname of fairy. <laughs> or commotion. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Guy, what have you been up to this week? Um, I, 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 I had an accident. Oh, <laughs> a severe accident. Um, firstly, I actually had two accidents within the space of five minutes. Firstly, I walked out of my bathroom, I tripped up the step and fell on the floor, which wasn't great. Then I noticed a spider above the bed. He's not staying the night. You know, I'm not, I don't want him there. Um, I did any, what any brave man would do. I got a cup. And I got a piece of paper. I did that with a wasp yesterday. Really? That's brave. Wow. So I got rid of him. On what? the process of stepping off the bed, I slipped off the bed. <laughs> crunch. Ouch. F. Later, I fell on the floor. I uh, sprained my ankle trying to get rid of a spider. Didn't drop the spider. I was, like, was this whilst holding the spider? Yeah, yeah. I didn't drop the spider. Yeah. Um, so I had to sort of crawl my way to the bathroom to get rid of the spider and then it's Nicole my girlfriend was like something's happened and I've done something wrong <laughs> she probably thought he's murdered somebody <laughs> guy ever says that oh. that's, that's that's murder straight away so where did the spider end up at the bathroom window at the bathroom window right. yeah. you didn't flush him then that's no good. no good to hear. have that's you not got a window in the bedroom Keith, I was in emotional turmoil. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know 
whisper <laughs> window that's right here. <laughs> I'm going to crawl like action man across <laughs> to the bathroom that has already tried down. to kill me. I know what I'll do. I'll go on the roof and release him. <laughs> Isn't there a step down to your bathroom as well? Yes, there is. Do yeah. you live in a Grecian spa? <laughs> <laughs> Sunken bath. <laughs> so then I spent... Um, it, took me, it takes me... 12 minutes to walk to the train station. I thought you were going to say it takes you 12 minutes to get from your bedroom to your bathroom. <laughs> it's a huge it's a it's a it's a it's a Spiders wrestling. <laughs> it, it takes me 12 minutes to walk to the train station on Friday morning. Oh, you spider to the train station. <laughs> yeah, I was still holding it. This is a different it. story. <laughs> I will set you free in the city centre. Vacant room! <laughs> it took me 35 minutes to get to the train station. Yeah. And I had to sit at work with my foot on a chair. Look, then people walk past us and just thought I was slacking all day, but it's like, no, no, I'm injured. Oh, it's just horrible. My foot's all black. It's horrid. Oh, like, I'm gonna that, that's your sock. <laughs> no, I'll show you. <laughs> oh. Are you looking at the injury? Oh, I It's yeah. a bit of a bruise. Nasty. I wouldn't say your foot is all Have black. you actually been <laughs> to the doctor? It's discoloured. <laughs> Have you actually been to the doctor? No. Do you think you should go to the doctor? I'll be all right. I'll be shoe polish, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big boy. I'll live. Like, uh, you know, it, oh. join us next week as Guy has his foot amputated live on Geeky Room. <laughs> and you suffered so that Spider Man live. Yeah. God, God, it hurt. Like, I'm, I'm quite a heavy man as well, so, like, my foot took my did you, full body weight. Did you do the full family guy bit? I, I just, I literally, I thought I'd broken my foot. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> we, we all know as well that the moment that spider landed outside, the local blackbird swooped down and ate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he Maybe came... he sprained his ankle on the way out the window as well. <laughs> he just came in for the kitchen. <laughs> back back in. In. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so painful. That's uh, that's my week. I sprained my goddamn ankle, and I've been I've been a brave boy ever since. <laughs> Reverend Callan Danes he'd be walking in a, or he'd be in a wheelchair by now <laughs> in traction <laughs> Graham what have you been up to this week what have I been up I've been um, preparing for this mentally emotionally physically about gone, the only one <laughs> I've gone through a very serious exercise regime to prepare for this um, what have I been doing I've been uh, I was down in London for a couple of days earlier in the week for work so I took the opportunity to uh, make an episode of Jaws 19 in my hotel room um, which sounds a bit creepy <laughs> <laughs> was that one featuring Keith <laughs> just lounging on the bed yeah. <laughs> I wonder it's so popular <laughs> you have to have a special password for that video. it's like what's um, his face from uh, God what's his name Burt Reynolds when he's in Playgirl uh, <laughs> just, just Graham uh, <laughs> I'm very rugged. no 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 um so yeah, I did a I did a hotel room episode. Your MCU haikus. <laughs> no, not, yeah, that one. The MCU haikus was filmed in my hotel because I had nothing else to do and I was stuck in London and it was boring. So for this one that I filmed on Monday night, it was my five worst movie hotels. Like the movies, the movie hotels I really wouldn't want to stay in. So, uh, Shining would that might be on there. Yeah, might be. Of course, the Bates. That might also be on there. So let's go on then. Let's see what might also be on there. You got two out of five that might be there. Hotel Rwanda, which is probably <laughs> <laughs> it's not it. I didn't quite go that dark. No, it's a quite a light-hearted show. <laughs> no, is that new film coming out? What is it? Bad Times at the L. There's oh, loads no. of hotel movies at the moment. It's hotel yeah. Artemis, which is your criminal 
uh, what's the name of the hotel in hotel. John Wick? No, that was not. That's there, that's the Continental. Yes, that's a good hotel. I yeah, that's cool. That one is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What was the one with Jodie Foster where people get stoned? That's Artemis. That's Artemis. Yeah, I can't think what other movie hotels in. You know, think of them. There's the one in Skyscraper which is on fire. That's not a hotel. That's just a tall building. Yeah, it's a hotel at the top, isn't it? No. Well, why have they got bedrooms in it? It's a, it's a good apartment complex. Oh. you got to watch the film first, Ryan, before you start saying those facts. Does Ryan think he lives in a hotel? <laughs> <laughs> you got the Burj Khalifa in Mission Impossible. Again, that's a cool hotel. Yeah. I'd like to stay there. Nah, I'm done. No, nah, we have to watch the video and then you'll find out all yes. five. Talking of controversial answers, this week we were doing a, <laughs> a quiz at Cineworld. And one of the one of the one of the, one of the questions was, uh, "What tagline is this movie from?" And uh, it was, "He's back in town. He's got time to kill." One of the suggestions put out on the table was Schindler's List. Oh <laughs> no! No no no! We, we didn't know the answer, so we were very tempted. Predator Two. It was Predator Two. How did you know that? Nobody knew that in the quiz. Talking hey. of more controversial answers. What did you two get up to at the Mockingbird tonight? Graham and uh, Keith. And me and Keith. This is why you do why you get them do dodgy things in hotels to dodgy things in cinemas. Cinema. Like, well, um, the very lovely Mockingbird Hotel agreed to let me film an episode there. Mockingbird Cinema. Mockingbird Hotel. Hotels the brain. Sorry, the very lovely Mockingbird Cinema let us film an episode there. Um, so I did a quiz type episode, and it was Keith versus the very lovely Rob Shepard who writes for Flick Feast uh, and we went through a quiz where I named movies by only describing them in five words and I had to guess, guess which movie or I was. six words or seven it was not it was five <laughs> it was definitely five and I asked each one of them ten questions which were of equal uh, difficulty weren't they Keith? I'm going to say yes yes <laughs> of equal difficulty I'll just consult my lawyers yeah yeah I'm going to say the legal team is already involved in this um I mean, you have to see the video to find out who won, but, but there was a bit of controversy that's uh, been coming around it now because some people claim that Keith had easier questions uh, than Rob. On the day, in the theatre, everything was convivial and happy as Larry. Yeah, it was but Then he went on the internet. Oh, my God. Oh, he's been, he's been insulting you, calling your family names, <laughs> threatening to see you in the car park after work, all kinds of horrible... It's got very... Very ugly. Very, very ugly. I've noticed a gift war has started between the two of you. Indeed. I only posted one. But to, <laughs> be fair, started it off. to be fair, the prize was very, very um, highly sought after, yeah. wasn't it? Tell them what the prize was, Keith. It was a laminated uh, certificate. Laminated? Did you said that? I was the first winner. The inaugural winner. Yeah. It went on the fridge. I mean, if it's laminated... Did you like move all your kids' pictures into the bin to put this picture on? I made (laughs) space. (laughs) And I made sure I used my Eric Cartman fridge magnet to hold it in place. That's Zeke, this, this, this picture we've had treasured since you were three. Bin. Your your exam results? Forget it. (laughs) This is more important. Yeah, so, uh, so, so Keith won. But it's still worth watching the video. If you go onto YouTube and search Jaws 19... Five-word movie quiz. Yeah. Um, you can see what all the fuss is about. You can see how beautiful 
Beautiful, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. No, well, I made sure wow, that yeah. I was I was lit in such a way that my full face wasn't revealed, so that I can still retain some anonymity. Yeah, it's got so, Keith. So, you've been on the show picture for nearly two years. This show has spoiled my anonymity. I used to be blank reg and I never had anything to yeah, do with me on the but, internet. But like, you only see his head on the pictures. Like the listeners don't know, he's actually got like the rock's body. What Keith also forgets is that he's also been on the Jaws nineteen before. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, but Ryan. That, that, that's fine. Well, There's knee distractions on that. Yeah, Callan's knees took all the line white on yeah. that episode. We did a Spider-Man special a few months ago. Uh, with yeah, Ryan Keith and uh, Callan's knees. <laughs> Just his knees. No Just his knees. And he came out with some filthy opinions about the amazing Spider-Man films with Andrew Garfield. We found out he actually likes them. He likes them. Oh, oh Callan, if you're listening, pathetic. He's a deviant, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that for what, a fact. What tipped you off? He likes Amazing Spider-Man 2. Fuck <laughs> him, Dano. <laughs> exactly, and he turns up to a video recording wearing shorts. <laughs> on, on a mildly warm day. It was like March. He said it was the hottest day of the year. In March. March. <laughs> Where did he go from there? It's like, it's warm in March. What was, what's he been doing the last it's few weeks? Like Has he been running around naked in oh. Eastbourne? Just speedos. It's going to be like yeah. Daniel Craig trunks. Oh. <laughs> Is that why he's had to go home to Eastbourne so he can just be in the sea and not reveal anything about his waist? I'm just in the sea. Nothing to see here. Maybe it's like the Amazing in. Spider-Man 2 where they have to cool him down by like <laughs> dipping him into it. <laughs> 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 Just gets revealed at autumn time. <laughs> oh, what have you been doing then? Like we care or we give a damn, but just saw us. How shopping? Cool, right, on with the show. How shopping? I'm going to go home. How shopping? As if that's like, we just parted along. So there's a new store out in Birmingham. A lot of houses in it. There's this thing that gets me with how shopping, just in general. Which is, this is probably the most expensive purchase you will ever make in your life at any one point. I don't know, man. I've bought some pricey vinyl. Keith bought yeah. on the I bought a Dyson once. That was well expensive. <laughs> but you get half an hour per viewing to make this life-changing decision of where you want to buy, where do you want to... Is this house suitable? Yeah. So you've got, a, yeah. You, you've got half an hour to make your mind up really. Yeah, you have a second look if you're really interested. We've had a second look, so we've spent a full... One hour. One hour. Yeah. He spent more than that looking at a car. He's guy there. spends more on that on discounts on the toilet <laughs> at work. <laughs> I don't do that. I always thought it was either the way they describe it as house hunting. Like a stalker behind it. And just just there with a bow. <laughs> I've got one. Let's move in. Like the wild homes are roaming across the veld. Exactly. <laughs> you do get to pay. Gregory and Marge, I've been looking for a two-bedroom bungalow. <laughs> So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a bad one, let's take it back with us. Do they ask you if you want fries with it as well? <laughs> Do you like fries with this house? <laughs> so you didn't bag yourself a house? Then? Not yet. It's a sorely tempting one. If there's anything I've learned from watching house hunting shows on the telly, is basically nobody ever buys anything ever. No, the only thing we've learned is Homes Under the Hand Hammer just pick the most blatantly obvious trap for every single bit of the conversation. I think we need to... That's a game for the future. Yes. Um, he decides he wants to live about 10 minutes away from me, though, so I'm not sure about this. We, we haven't told you which road we're moving on on a purpose. <laughs> I keep telling you both, you're moving to the wrong side of the city. It's all happening. Keith, nobody wants side. to live yeah, in Bearwood. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the Smedic is just where it's at. Bearwood resident, yeah. along with Keith. We're very happy over there. 
I mean, you have these beautiful fires laid on for you quite regularly throughout the year. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Rob Smith's currently ablaze, isn't it? That's fine. But our bin men don't wake us up at six in the morning. No, so they're coming at two in the afternoon like yeah. reasonable people. Keith, yeah. I did want to live in Bearwood, but I wanted to live with you, and we know we can't have that, so... <laughs> No, that injunction is still binding, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You'd be like the neighbour in one foot in a grave, wouldn't you? You'd be coming out into the garden, Keith, to mow your lawn, and one of the panels would yeah. slide, and Guy said, Morning! <laughs> <laughs> Considering, you know, Guy is breaking his injunction by being within 50 feet of me right now. That's so, true, isn't it? Yeah. I'm letting it slide, but... <laughs> one day. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> Weird news is made of this. Who am I to disagree? You click on the link and you're guaranteed to get a story nobody wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a new classic. That was beautiful. (laughs) It is time for me to wrap up what's been weirdly going on in the world. So it starts off from avclub.com. National Geographic hires Jeff Goldblum to walk around being professionally fascinated by things. See, I know that's a legit story, and I've read it, and, and AV Club is an actual, genuine, legit source as well. And it's by a guy called William Hughes, so you can't even moan about the name. Where's Cron? So basically, it's going to be The Curiosity of Jeff Goldblum, which has been greenlit at National Geographic Channel. Given that Jeff Goldblum already appears to exist in a permanent state of, hmm, yes, fascinating. We have to assume this is a new series which will see him investigate the com- joys of common day phenomena like boy- baseball and making toilet paper. Amazing. I'd watch it. Doesn't he go to a supermarket as well? Didn't I see? I'm sure I saw a clip of Jeff Goldblum is amazed by a supermarket. That, that is mind-blowing. I think he only did that this week. It was because he's wandering around promoting Jurassic Park. Jurassic well, did you see the twenty-five foot tall Jeff Goldblum statue? I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. They made a twenty-five foot tall Jeff Goldblum shirt open statue in London. Yeah, on the bank of the Thames, wasn't it? And yeah. his, his nipples were the size of dustbin lids. <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong with that. Particular detail stood out to me, but it did. I'm surprised you didn't run down to London as soon as you heard about this stuff. I feel like it's something I would have liked to have uh, climbed aboard. <laughs> just there, sat on his chest. <laughs> like Sam Neill when he's leaning against the dinosaur guy just going up and down. Yeah. <laughs> he's breathing, he's breathing. See, I'm failing to see anything weird about that story at all. No. Jeff Goldblum talking about interesting things. It's all good. Yes. Are we ready for our next weird news story? Yeah. Yes. Home invasion. From, <laughs> from Ryan's wife. <laughs> from BuzzFeed News. Oh, here we go. Now we've gone to a source that's not legit. BuzzFeed. <laughs> from Nicole Nyungan, which I'll probably pronounce wrong. I always say it wrong. Google says it will stop Android, fo- Android phones from suggesting... Andrew phones. This <laughs> <laughs> is one, really one guy making them all. <laughs> Andrew, make a phone! Andrew, make a phone, mate. <laughs> I'm so tired. Andrew, make a vote. Don't make us get Darren in to do it. Google says it will stop Android phones from suggesting my face when users type sit on. (laughs) 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 But why are you typing sit on into your phone in the first place? Some people are reporting when they type sit on whilst texting on their Android phones, the device suggests my face. And maybe the next thing they want to type. 
The face prediction comes from the operating system's autocomplete feature, which recognises words or faces based on what you type. While there are more than a thousand words banned from the Android's predicted algorithm, including coitus and intercourse, the phrase sit on my face, which refers to a sexual act, is not suppressed. Refers to what? Sexual act. Does it? I don't know. I'm surprised. Can you can you recall the last anyone's face? Can you recall the last time you typed the word "sit on" into your phone <laughs> for any reason? I sit have, on my bus. I have an Andrew's phone. I'm going to check it. Hold on, Keith. Can sit. you make a song about sitting on a face? Oh no! <laughs> Don't do it. The when you wanna. Right, mine predicted sit on the splendid man. Splendid <laughs> <laughs> <Close enough. laughs> I'm actually going to try Why one. Android app? <laughs> sit on the splendid man. I'm just going to try one as well. I'm going to text Guy. <laughs> what are you going to tell him to sit? Sit on. What does it suggest? My. My. Birthday. <laughs> sit on my birthday. It obviously shows you what you guys are typing in because for some reason I've got sit on top 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 kayak. <laughs> sit on top kayak. Yeah. Mine doesn't do anything. It just got sit on. <laughs> my fourth option is sit on the fence. See, that's quite. After reaching out to Google for comment, a spokesperson told BuzzFeed News that a fix to remove the phrase is coming. We started rolling out a fix for this prediction behaviour on Gboard so that customers will no longer see this suggestion. Oh, I got, I got sit on, sit on lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> the spokesperson says Gboard is designed for such predictions but in generic models, but human language is complex and therefore any sort of system that filters sensitive phrases sometimes will make inappropriate suggestions made through the machine learning models. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what happens if... When, when we learn of an inappropriate suggestion, we work quickly to remove it. When you type in on my face, it says on my Facebook. So there's a it's tweet... on my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> there's a tweet here from Corey Doctorow. Oh, boing okay. boing. Oh, boing boing. I was SMSing our babysitter with a default Android SMS app. I typed... Hey, are you free to sit? And autocomplete came up with, on my face. <laughs> Needless to say, I've never that string into an Android device before. I don't believe you, Corey, at all. <laughs> There's holes in that story. So, like, this works for quite a lot of things, so I tried touching my... <laughs> and I got touching my skin hurts, touching my father's soul, and touching my s- spaghetti. <laughs> If I just, Is that one strand of spaghetti? It's, it's from a meme called Stop Touching My Spaghetti. <laughs> if I just put type the word sit, my f- first three suggestions are city badira. Yes. The second one is situation. And the, thir- the third one like the is sits bath. In a BuzzFeed news test, after typing, hey, are you free to sit on? To two <laughs> Google Pixel devices. One suggested my face and... When a Samsung Galaxy S9 did not. However, if types if sit is typed rather than sit on, autocomplete does not suggest my face and. Are you free to sit on? <laughs> you type in "Hey, are you free to sit?" and it says "Out the national anthem." What's <laughs> "Are you free to sit on Europe?" After after my face and Google autocomplete suggests the following words. Then we can talk about it later. <laughs> Meanwhile, iOS devices do not suggest my face after typing sit on. If you type in talk about, you can get talk about football coming home and then talk about pop music. Should we do we do but? <laughs> Android users can remove specific phrases or words by tapping on the word and dragging it to the trash icon. In the keyboard great. settings at the top of the keyboard, tap 
arrow then more than the settings here where I can text correction. Users can also turn off the suggestion strip, block offensive words and opt out of personalised suggestions. That seems like a lot of effort. Yes. It does, doesn't it? If, uh, if I type it in, I want to touch you, comes <laughs> with, I want to touch you when I'm, when I'm, I don't, I can't see the rest of the word begins with, uh, I, I want to touch you when I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Your phone really knows you well, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 that sounds like the wasn't, that your wasn't that your last text message to me? Don't you really do And then we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> if I type don't touch, it says don't touch my laptop. <laughs> I enjoy that. That's really boring. Don't touch my... Yeah. I got don't touch my phone wallpaper or don't touch my phone muggle. I just get don't. <laughs> I get don't touch myself. Must remind myself. Don't do that. I'm on the bus. I think it's time <laughs> to move on to our third weird news story. Hang on, I'm feeling <laughs> really low. That's such a millennial phrase. Took a real dark turn, then, didn't it? Right. It's time to move on to animals. We're a new story. <laughs> and apparently, there's no byline on this one. But it is from theweek.co.uk. Egyptian zoo paints donkey to look like zebra. <laughs> <laughs> Zookeeper in Cairo allegedly gave the animal stripes in a bid to fool visitors. Do we want to see a picture? Yes, please. I'll show Graham first. That's not even a good paint job. I don't want to paint straight lines on it. <laughs> it looks like a paint job that you get on my Pimp My Ride UK. Tim Westwood going, yeah, it's a horse now. It's a zebra. Pimp My Donkey. I, uh, I, once, I once gave Tim Westwood a dirty look. I saw him walking through uh, Lincoln Town Centre with Lethal Bizzle. So I gave him both a dirty look. In Lincoln. <laughs> they were probably going to meet his dad, the bishop. Is he the Bishop of Lincoln? His dad is a bishop. I, I'm not sure which the bishop he is, but he is a bishop. That's, oh, that's which, which really makes it when he's posing with rappers, it's yeah. kind of like... My dad yeah, is that's the bishop. bishop, man. <laughs> and he it's not his DJ name either. Yeah. He obviously rebelled against his family. Yes. You know. that's, not, that's not very convincing. At least it's not in China. To return to our new story, an Egyptian zoo has been torn off a strip... Who what? uses that phrase nowadays? And where does the zoo keep its strips? And how do you tear one off it? For allegedly attempting to fool visitors by painting a black and white stripes on a donkey to make it look like a zebra. <laughs> the row began when a student visiting the recently opened animal sanctuary in Cairo International Gardens Park spotted the unusual looking animal and shared a photo of it on Facebook. What were they going to do when it rained? <laughs> <laughs> Mahmoud Sahani said, when we went to the zebra side, there was only one zebra. It came to us and the other one didn't move. But when he came early, I realised the first look of it, it was a painted donkey, not a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> the animal in the photo lacks the larger shaggier mane that a zebra usually has at the name of its, name of its neck, says the newspaper. And the black paint appears to have smudged in the heat. <laughs> also, it has long floppy ears rather than the more rounded ears of the more <laughs> exotic species. Zookeeper Mohammed Sultan denies allegations despite experts claiming otherwise. It's like they didn't even look at a picture of a zebra before they did that. They just went, ah, stripes, that'll do. <laughs> Metro reports this is not the first incident of this type. In 2009, a zoo in Gaza reportedly painted two donkeys black and white to replace zebras. 
that had died previously, and in 2013, a zoo in China tried to pass off a dog as a lion. <laughs> <laughs> when the visitor went to a cage of the lion at the zoo in Lu, a uh, city in Henan, they heard a loud bark, says the Daily Bell. <laughs> the so-called lion was then discovered to be a hairy Tibetan mastiff. Right. If you've learned anything listening to this show, you know you can only pass a dog off as a bear. Right. That's true, yeah. The Weird News, the promoted article below the Weird News story, oh, okay. tops this by a million miles. Wow. Do you want to read the article title, Graham? Uh, <clears throat> do I have to? Yes. <laughs> okay. Busted poo jogger quits top executive job. Sorry, poo jo- a photograph. What's a poo jogger? Oh! <laughs> a jogger, a jogger as in jogging. Oh, no, no. poo jogger! <laughs> poo jogger. <laughs> Who's it a jog? <laughs> So the poo jogger—it's <laughs> <laughs> like a, a Victorian job, doesn't it? You've got the guy who lights the lamppost and the poo jogger. Right. <laughs> Shall we delve into this story a little bit? <laughs> Want to delve into the poo jogger? Dip, dip right in, Ryan. Dip oh, right dip in. into the jug of poo. Busted poo jogger quits top executive job. <laughs> I'm done. That's it, I'm done. Douglas McIntosh allegedly relieved himself outside the apartment block up to 30 times. That was a big job. That was a big job. One you can sort of get away with. 30 times, that's just... That's pathological, that, isn't it? An Australian executive has been outed as a poo jogger. (laughs) (laughs) That's a term! A poo jogger! Batman villain? Who allegedly ran around the streets defecating on the streets of Brisbane in the early hours. Oh, does he do it whilst jogging or does he stop? Police charged Andrew Douglas McIntosh following a sting operation by a local resident. <laughs> he set out to catch the jogger, suspected of relieving himself on the footpath outside an apartment block oh, more than 30 what? times. Do you think, like, when they arrest, like, something stinks around here? Hey. <laughs> the 64-year-old businessman was caught on camera with his pants down outside the property in Southside oh, suburb of Green Slopes last month. According to the Australian Financial Review, he even took toilet roll with him. (laughs) (laughs) McIntosh has been charged with one count of public nuisance and has resigned from his his job as a corporate manager for property and investment group Avio. News.com.ae reports he's also a member of Brisbane City Council's advisory boards that makes decisions about Queensland's capital's planning and building issues. Needs more public toilets, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) And Avio's first one confirmed his resignation and added the company was distressed and disappointed the alleged incidents concerning Mr McIntosh. Wow. The poo jogger. (laughs) (laughs) I've got one note to end on. I did one more look-up of... um... The the night the thing on the phone. Yes. So I typed in, "Hey, do you want to?" <laughs> oh God. Okay. So first one, it's nice. Hey, do you want to hang out? That's all right. That's that's good. <laughs> hey, do you want to come out and play the game? What game? <laughs> <laughs> to a dread to think. Uh, Is it like Saw? There's <laughs> <laughs> a little little puppy on a tricycle come out. Play the game. <laughs> hey, do you? Maybe want that's to- Andrew. <laughs> And hey, do you want to come out and play with my toys? <laughs> and this one is with some most serious. It's possibly a song. Hey, do you want to go on down to Ghana? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm I might. Wow. I think it's time to move on from weird news. Yes, let's. Poo yes. jogger. <laughs> we'll end on that. Though. I'll call my next band Poo Jogger. <laughs> <laughs>
we're talking all about the Mission Impossible franchise. Two TV series, six films, been running since 1966. Quick check of the iPad. <laughs> so, one of the most longest running franchises from American TV. And weirdly, I found out when I was doing a bit of research, the original TV series, the first two seasons, were produced by Desi Lu Productions. So, this was... Desi Arnaz and oh, Lucille Ball's Lucille Ball. TV productions, yeah. who also produced Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. Star Trek, that's right. Yeah. So they must have been on set at the same time because it was filmed in 66, 67, uh, and then it was moved over to Paramount from season three onwards. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realise uh, we all associate Peter Graves being the main person from Mission Impossible. He wasn't actually in the first season at all. Was he, Keith? No. It was another guy. Uh. Briggs, I Dan think. Briggs, yeah, like Stephen Hill. Yeah. And basically, the reason he got cast off set was uh, he was Orthodox Jewish, uh, so he observed the show up. So he was basically they would cut filming for him to go home for sundown. Right. And it was such an issue with that they uh, recast. Nasty. Peter Graves is Jim Phillips. I mean, you can get away with that nowadays, but no, definitely not. I mean. Uh, I hold a bit of a thing for the original franchise in my heart. It's one of those shows that was on repeat. And I think it was BBC Two used to show it in the middle of the day. I think it was a similar kind of thing to Star Trek. Yeah. That, that's how I caught it. That, yeah. I think it just seemed to be a that, uh, The Rockford Files, Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. I think they were the kind of shows that went out at a particular time of day and you saw them. And also because it's got one of the most iconic theme tunes ever committed to yeah. TV. Well, I was going to talk about Lalo Schifrin's music because that and the, the plot music, which you get throughout all the original series, the reboot series in the 80s, and the films, it's pretty much what ties everything together. Yeah. But Lalo Schifrin's score is one of those that I think it's become so distinct, and it's kind of the first bar sets you off. Da, 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 like that. Yeah. Were you doing the Limp Bizkit version? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. We don't even get to that before you know whether it's that theme tune. It's that... It's that little ding, and the, the matchstick. That, that, that matchstick light in the um, the, the fuse as well. It's so like iconic. It's amazing. I mean, as a kid, it was just a great, great show. And it was one of those shows that relied more on exposition. It was a very much a show, don't tell. So you had the introduction, which would explain what's going on. You'd have the titles, which have been copied by so many other shows now, which pretty much gave you the plot of the episode in the show intro with the fuse going along at the bottom. But it was not very a lot of talking in it. It was mainly just relied on Lalo Schifrin scores to pace the action and concentrate on what's on screen. I mean, but some of the cast you got Martin Lando, rolling hand, he was there from the first season onwards. Uh, Leonard Nimoy pops up quite a lot in the later series. Yeah. If I remember rightly, he wears a beanie hat quite often. Yes. You got Barbara Bain. Yeah. And you got um, good old Sam Elliott turned up for one season as well. Sam Elliott. Yes, him of the moustache. Did he have a moustache at the time? No, I think it was very early days, Sam Elliott. But uh, he was having issues with one of his colleagues, I think, on the show. That's why he only lasted for the one season. Right. But, um, yeah, quite surprising how long it ran. I mean, seven series it ran for, and it was actually the longest-running spy show up until 24 took it over with its eighth season in 2010. So it had quite a long run as being the longest running spoiler show on yeah. TV. And it's still the more the superior show yes. as well. Strong Is it? Words, strong words there, Mr. Uh, yeah, 24 was a, uh, was a one-off 
gimmick that got stretched beyond what he needed to be. Whereas Mission Impossible at least had got a format that could keep delivering. You well, can change every, the team. Every, every week there's an impossible mission. There's an impossible somehow mission. Somehow they managed yeah. to solve. They're spies. It's, it's a proper, proper spry, spry. Crisp and dry. Um, spry, <laughs> spy drama. I, I, I thought it was great because every week you, you were getting something different and you were going to f- try and figure out how they were going to do it. And that was the joy of that show was the, the ingenuity of how they approached each mission. Each impossible mission. Each impossible mission. Well, I did realise actually there was a TV revival in the late 80s which was plagued by the writer's strike at the time. Yeah, but it still featured Peter Graves. Um, yeah, he was the, the only one bought back. I yeah. think it was supposed to be the original cast was supposed to be bought back and killed off one by one throughout the series. Uh, well, there was another writer's strike. Yeah. Wow. There's been quite a few in American history. <sighs> yeah, I think it got revived at a similar time to things like Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and stuff were being revived. There was a big revival of those, all of those kind of classic 60s shows. Mm-hmm. And I think the 80s one it was, was pretty decent, actually. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't terrible. Schiffen come back for the score and it yeah. was pretty much that kind of late 80s, bit of beat to it. But I felt very Miami voice when I listened back to the soundtrack recently. Yeah. But um, quite surprisingly as well, I, re- I found out the first Mission Impossible film was not actually the first theatrical release for the UK. Oh. But Mission Impossible. There was a film in the early 1970s distributed only in Europe, which was two episodes of the original TV, TV series stuck together, which was called Mission Impossible vs. The Mob. Oh, no, that's oh, okay. not a thing. <laughs> Stitched together two TV it's a, I think that's a bit of a thing for American TV shows in yeah. this country because stuff like Battlestar Galactica and Book Rogers did that. Yeah, that's quite what they did, quite in the seventies. Just mm-hmm. stitched together two episodes and released them theatrically. I mean, you could get away with it then, but you couldn't really <clears throat> with nowadays with how fast and paced that TV appears in the UK the next day. I tell you, the other show that I watched a lot at the same time as I was watching something like uh, Mission Impossible was Men from Uncle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, Very they were. Kind of vibe. Yeah, two, two shows that I absolutely adored as a kid. I think the only thing that came anywhere near uh, in the UK was The Professionals, in terms of that kind of, you know, go getting uh, crime stopping not, stuff. Not good old Arthur Daly. No. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Wished Impossible with Arthur Daly. It's so good. Yeah. It's not Minder. We are. I thought Arthur Daly was in Minder. He was, he was in Minder, but okay. not the professionals. Not in the professionals, right? Can that we play? Can we? If, if you're listening to this on the radio, we're going to be playing the song from Minder next. Write <laughs> <laughs> the theme tune. Sing yeah, the theme tune. Get Smart, yeah, which yeah. was then rebooted with Steve Carell. That's, That's right, smart. it was, wasn't it? Get Smart wasn't that bad, either, actually. That was funny. That all, was of the, all of those kind of shows were pretty cool. It's got the phone shoe, which became the like gimmick for a lot of spy yeah. movies quite long. Yeah. Well, that was a direct parody of Mission Impossible, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But moving on to the films, as we mentioned them, uh, 1996, we had the reboot of the franchise. But Jim really Phelps, yeah, but Jim Phelps was carried along. It was played by uh, Angelina Jolie's dad. John Voight, yeah. Yes. I wasn't I don't I must admit I wasn't very keen on the way they portrayed his character in that film. It seemed no. a little bit against uh what we'd seen in the show before. But I'm um, into Brian De Palma movie, so it's a mm. it's a yeah. good, good action, solid action movie. I was gonna say so you've got Danny Elfman on scoring duties apart from Lalo Schiffrin's theme. Same choice, yeah. And then you said as you said Brian De Palma and it was a thriller movie. It wasn't an action movie, which is what we're used to for the Mission Impossible franchise now. It was all about that kind it was of all thriller. The it's, yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like you you saw into Ethan's mind quite a lot in this film, Ethan Hunt, because he replayed scenes in his head and tried to work out what's going on. 
And then this is the whole thing about the all the way through the Mission Impossible franchise is Ethan Hunt sees things differently. Yeah. And this was really nailed in that first film of Ethan Hunt's the only one who can work out what's going on. I remember being massively confused by that film. <laughs> but we still have some brilliant action set pieces in there. I mean, this is a bit where they break into the CIA vault. Yep. Spoilers, by the way, will abound throughout this for all of the franchises. Yeah, if you've not seen it. It's a 22-year-old film. Right now... <laughs> Tough, yeah. <laughs> so when he breaks into the CIA vault with the little bit bit of perspiration coming off his head yeah. and stabbing his knife for the desk on the way out, uh, you got John Renault with the scene with the helicopter. Yeah, John Renault's in it, isn't it? Is that mm. where the, the helicopter crashes into the Channel Tunnel train? Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, Kirsten right, Scott yeah. Thomas, Emilio Estevez is mm-hmm. all in there as well. And he lasts five minutes, isn't it? Yeah. And we get our first appearance of Mr. Ving Rames himself as Luther. I mean, that would make yeah. sense as it's the first film. Yes. But he's he's kind of like the only other person apart from Ethan Hunt who's had a pretty rig. I think he's only skipped one film. I think he was not in Ghost Protocol. He's at the end. Of, well, he's not a main supporting character. Yeah, yeah, he has appeared in all of them. Also, as well, it was uh, what, Bono and the Edge redoing no, the school. No, no, it was not the first two other guys in the band that no one knows their names. <laughs> oh, Larry Mullins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Larry Mullins yeah. Jr. and um, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Those dudes. Yeah, but then we had a little bit of a gap. And then we move on to Mission Impossible 2, directed by Mr. John Woo. John Woo, yeah. It was pretty much... I watched this last night in a bit of preparation for this show, and it's the most... It's a bit of a waste of the two thousands, <laughs> The most 2000s film I could possibly do. It's head of the 2000s, isn't it? I mean, it lots of explosions. It starts off with Limp Biscuit doing the soundtrack. <laughs> Ethan Hunt climbing up a rock face. We're... Yes. Throwing the, his sunglasses off. Oh, the exploding, sunglasses, exploding yeah. sunglasses with a little earpiece, which looked like an MP3 player that you would have got yeah. in the mid-2000s. You had flip mobile phones all over the shop. Lovely. Uh, that, they, they were rep- replacing the power books that were in the previous one. Yes. It's like everybody wanted a Mac afterwards of that. Yeah. But it, it, it felt so dated to the rest of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the female characters are completely... Yeah, just used Thandie as Newton. pawns, uh, and this is the thing. Thandie Newton's a great actress, and she just gets used as they're basically bands. Bond girls, aren't yeah, they? She's yeah, basically a Bond girl, and it is like they're most trying to replicate that kind of Timoth- um Pierce Brosnan era of Bond. It's very golden, I feel. To me. Yeah, I didn't realize how much slow motion was in that film. I think the film is actually only thirty minutes long. Give it all the <laughs> slow motion. Give it all proper pace. But then you know, I did do remember sitting in the cinema waiting for the slow motion and dove sequence. Yes. And I am rewarded handsomely in the slow motion and doves department. <laughs> well, I was quite surprised that Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga wrote the script for this one. Are you surprised Brandon Braga <laughs> had anything to do with this one? <laughs> well, Brandon Braga, fair enough. Ronald D. Moore, I expect slightly better from him as he made the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. So I think he probably he probably he did the espionage bits of Brandon Braga. <laughs> yeah, he did the funny bits. <laughs> and I imagine everybody already knows this, but the fact that this film ran over in its shooting schedule yeah. meant that Dougray Scott had to give up the role of Wolverine to Hugh Jackman. Yes. A missed opportunity there. I don't think it was. I feel that um, like Tom Cruise has grown his hair for Magnolia while filming this. Yeah. He's got that slightly... That shaggy look to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the like, London look. Like he's rocking it in Magnolia, <laughs> but like he's not rocking it in not this. Not quite there yet. Yeah. 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 It has got some... Tremendously outrageous motorcycle stunts. So. Oh, is that the, where they've got the guns and they're sucking towards yeah. each other? And yeah. it's, 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 it's so John Woo, that scene when bonkers. you have the bike chase. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, you had Hans Zimmer on music duties, and I don't really even feel there was any Hans Zimmer in it. It was more just thumping rock music. You had like Rob Zombie on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned, Limp Biscuit. It was kind of like this heavy 
kind of new metal yeah. Yeah. to go with the film and there wasn't really much score in there and I think Dugray Scott's probably the worst villain out of the franchise completely forgettable I think it's, yeah. it's the most of its time of all of the six that we've had so far yeah. the one that you could watch and just go I know exactly when that came yeah. out it was, the even the poster is just him riding through flames on a motorcycle it's like this extreme thing that millennials tried to do to like cast away the 90s I think yeah. it, it, it does feel like it's not really sitting with the rest of the franchise. You'll get Anthony Hopkins, though. What was the threat? <laughs> with, his, with his American accent. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, am I old, you know, or am I your, your, your it's, it's mission Hopkins. handler? It's like, I am the secretary, and I will do a slight American accent, but still be slightly Welsh. And, but then give it up halfway through, completely. <laughs> what was the threat? In it the was Chimera, one? which was a... Bellerophon, Chimera, Bellerophon, Chimera. So Chimera was this virus. <laughs> Chimera. We get this every episode, don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll give him his meds after the show. <laughs> to answer your question, Guy, Chimera is this like uh, mutated version of the influenza virus, which is designed to kill the population. Oh, and Bellerophon is the antidote, which basically he has. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all got those Greek freezes and everything. It's all yes. tied back to Greek myths and everything. And we have five face reveals in this film, because I counted. Five? Five in this film, which okay. is the most in any any part of the franchise, wow. which is where they fall off the rubber mask with little thingies stuck to their neck. The, the voice changes, yeah. yeah. I completely forgot Brendan Gleeson was in it until three quarters away from the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're one of the bad guys as well. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, Mad Moody. I don't even remember that film. I think I seem to have struck on that one from my memory. Listen, yeah. All you got to do is just wait for the bit where Tom Cruise walks through a doorway and all the doves just fly and it goes into slow motion and there's smoke and flames. It's and then the guns come out and they do kung fu with the guns. I, I, I remember the uh, the hanging on the cliff bit and that's about it. It's like, it's yeah. like an advert for sports watches that you'd see yeah. like, during the MTV Music Awards. Well, you get Ving Rhames who spends his entire time behind a keyboard. And some random Aussie bloke who has never spoken of in any of the other Let's have a look at who that actor is, who plays the random Aussie bloke, as you called him. <laughs> random Aussie bloke. Yeah, random Aussie bloke. What does Google tell you when you put random Aussie bloke into your <laughs> search? <laughs> he, he sounded like, <laughs> it was like if Crocodile Dundee had joined Missing Impossible 2, this guy was G'day mate, I'm your, I'm your contact here, you want anything? Give us a call, will you? No, you called out a MacBook, this is a MacBook. Is it John Paulson, I think? John Paulson. Yes. What's, what else is John Paulson? A John Paulson. I mean... He uh, is best known for a role starring opposite Russell Crowe and Jack Thompson in The Sum of Us. The Sum of Us. Oh, I recognise his face. Yes. Oh, what else has he been a con? Let's give him here the guy's filmography. He's been more of a director, actually. Oh, so no, he's directed uh, Hide and Seek in 2005, Tenderness in 2009, All in the Family, uh, episode of Body of Proof in 2011, and Fear the Walking Dead in 2018. Let's get to the films. Uh, considering, uh, considering this is possibly the worst en- entry in the franchise, we've spent a long <laughs> time on it. I want to know what he's been in. Just because he's so bad in it. Actor, 33 credits. Okay. Mission Impossible 2, Billy Baird, was his last proper credit. And then it was Mission Impossible, the game. And Mission Impossible, Operation Surma, the game. And that's when he stopped acting. Oh, really? I think he knows Mission wow. Impossible 2 was, this is when I need to move into the that director's his, chair. That was his high point, clearly. Geeky, brought me with Ryan Parrish. Geeky, brought me with Ryan Parrish. Doodaloo, doodaloo, doodaloo. Geeky, brought me. He's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. Right, so we've covered off the original TV series and films one and two. So it was a soft reboot with Mission Impossible 3. So J.J. Abrams gets involved at this point. He does. 
Uh, it's written by Alex Kirkman and Roberto Orki, who have also done all the reboot Star Trek films. Lads. So, um, and J.J. Abrams himself wrote one. And this is where we get action with espionage taking the back seat. Whereas John Woo went all action with no espionage, really. Yeah. This one does feel very, very different from the two mm. previous films. Like I said, soft reboot, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, this was 2006, so there was a six-year gap. So it was quite a long wait for the third film along the franchise. And it's regarded as one of the better ones. Yeah, I, I, is this, this is the one, see, the baddies all kind of bled into one for me. This is the Philip Seymour Hoffman one. Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is one of the strongest bad guys He's awesome. throughout the entire series. Yeah, a fantastic scene on the plane, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favourite scenes in the whole franchise. Though. I must admit, I didn't sit, go to see this at the cinema. I didn't see it until it came out on home video. Mm-hmm. On laser disc. Yeah, I didn't see it till then. And I, when I did see it, I wish I had gone to see it at the cinema because it was yeah. it was great. I mean, the, the whole sequence is on the bridge and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some great action set pieces in there. I mean, I think this is where we start getting used to those big set pieces as well. I mean, what was the main set piece in this one? It's when we get he gets attacked on the bridge and uh, yes. he gets blown into a car. Yeah, the missile so, attack. Like, yeah, missile oh, attack. Yes. Oh, there's a big hole in the bridge. Yeah, yeah great, great bit of. Um, Mm-hmm. Performance, and it's the first appearance of Benji Dunn, good old Mister Simon Pegg. Oh, wow. He's in the operations office at this point. It's basically the guy on the mic in the background. Yep. Yeah, it's the one who gives him. It's basically Ethan's Google Earth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He gives him directions over the phone. Turn left, run down there. I mean, it is a really strong cast. So we've got Philip Seymour Hoffman mentioned. Ving Rhames, of course, appears at some point. Uh, we get Billy Crudup, uh, Michelle Monaghan. So it's the first time that we get a relationship with Ethan. Oh, yeah. For a proper Billy Crudup, that's amazing. <laughs> He's the like the director, isn't he? Yeah. God, you yes. don't see him films much, do you? Uh, Jonathan Rhys Meyers, who oh, doesn't okay. really actually get that much on screen time, is the helicopter pilot. He replaces uh, our Aussie guy, yes. Yes. Mr. Gorman Gast, uh, Kerry Russell. That's a yeah. short reference right there, yeah. Ryan Gorman Gast. <laughs> uh, Maggie <laughs> Hugh. Okay. And our secretary is Lawrence Fishburne in this one. Ah, yes. So it is pretty... It's a hell strong, of a cast, isn't it? Pretty strong cast, and Michael Giacchino is on scoring duties for this one. Yeah. He's one of Keith's most famous... famous well, it, yeah, he's one of these guys that knows how to score a movie. Especially a spy movie or a, yeah. a hero movie. His incredible scores one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. And Amazing. the whole uh, bad guy bit, and this is the rabbit's foot, we don't, which we don't actually learn out what it is, I think, for the entire film. Yeah, it's, it's just referred to as the rabbit's foot. It's just the MacGuffin, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so it was a very strong reboot for the franchise. I think... I think after the John Woo movie, people have kind of lost faith in it because it had diverted so much from the first film. It was, one. yeah, it was good, quite ridiculous. This was a bit really. of an amalgamation between the two. And then... It's the old, um, whatever JJ gets his hands on, turns yeah. to gold, apart from Cloverfield Paradox. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> moving along to the next film, JJ is still involved as a producer, but uh, Brad Bird takes over cinematic direction. A good choice. A, a odd choice. Odd Brad, choice. But I think, it, I think Brad I think Bird is well very known for his animation. Mm-hmm. So it's Incredibles, stuff like that. Uh, Iron I mean, Giant was Brad Bird as well. Yeah, it's Brad's yeah. first live action movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he smashed it, really. It's, again, it's I, I, it's probably my favourite of the, the run at mm-hmm. this point. I think it's just a well constructed movie. Again, builds on that whole kind of spy thing, keeps the action from the Abrams version. Yeah, just ups the ante. I think it's a it's a real driving uh, force of a movie. Is this the Dubai one? Yes, it's the yes. Burj Khalifa. Yeah. See, I have I have problems with height, so this film. <laughs> I remember watching this yeah. with uh, my wife and children, and I 
let out an audible squeal during that scene where he made the leap between yeah. floors. I squealed. It was oh, awful. This is where we get Jeremy Renner's introduction into the film franchise oh, of course, as well. Yes, yes. Renner's in it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I said, this is one, of, it's probably the closest one to the original series. It's very heavily reliant on exposition and showing through seeing on this film. Yeah. Dialogue is kept pretty much to a minimum. And they have this new way of technique here where all the exposition happens on journeys to stuff. So it's either in the car or it's in a boat or yeah. in a place. Or explain on the way. Yeah. yeah. And it, then it keeps the action flowing for when you have these massive set pieces. Yeah. So as you said, when you've got the Burj Khalifa bit, which is one of the strongest set pieces in any kind of modern oh, cinema. It's absolutely amazing. And I think when it was filming at the time, it was such a big thing. It was like, Worldwide news that Tom Cruise was climbing inside this building. Yeah, it's a famous photograph of him sitting on top of it. Yeah, which makes me ill just to look at that. Well, it was the world's tallest building at the time. At the time, time. Yeah. I think with the world's smallest man. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the kind of thing Ed said with the exhibition. It's kind of like um, so we get the gadgets in this one. We get more of a Bond kind of feel. So you have the sticky gloves walking up. Yeah. You still have the traditional face ripping off mask things, and it's the third or fourth, third time that. Ethan's been betrayed by the IMF at this point. It is, yeah. He should have learned by now, shouldn't he? Yeah. This is one where they do the strange thing where they convince someone's on a different floor of the hotel, don't they? It's on the same floor. I think it's just a room. Oh, no, it's the next floor. But yeah, yeah they're messing around with the, the floors. Mm-hmm. You know what I struggle with with this film is the fact that Paula Patton's in it. Because like, now whenever I watch it, I just think of Robin Thicke's pathetic song that he made to try and win her back. Gotta go, gotta go, get it back. I just can't not look at her with thinking of that tragic, like... I lost my wife and now I'll make music to make it better. <laughs> Thanks, Robin, you ruined the film for me. <laughs> when we get Bing Rames as an uncredited cameo, just to keep up the consistency of him being in a film, we get Michelle Monahan, Monahan having a quick cameo as Ethan Hunt's wife. Uh, Does she have a name? Because you refer to her as Ethan Hunt's wife twice. It's, <laughs> it's Julia Mead Hunt. Right, okay. And we get Tom Wilkinson as the IMF. Secretary in this one. Yeah. I mean, they go through a lot of secretaries. They really do. That's a very fragile job, that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> redundancies are whole. <laughs> it's it's ministerial jobs. They are very yeah. hazardous. But Simon Pegg gets his role beefed up tremendously. Yeah. Well, this is this is when he becomes a field agent. Yeah. So he's basically taking over Ving Rhames's job in this bit. Yeah. So he's like the new security electronics expert. Well, I mean, as I said, this is one of my favourite ones out of it. Brad yeah. Bird's direction. This one is. Fantastic, yeah. and it is this building of we expect a giant set piece with any Mission Impossible film. Now, there's got to be something which is completely big and explosive. Oh, this one's got Sawyer from Lost in it as well. Yeah, yes. Josh Holloway's in it at the very beginning. He, he lasts about five minutes if I remember Trevor <laughs> Hannaway. But I love it as well as the fact that Brad Bird carries on the tradition of animators uh, from the animation studios putting the the, the phrase A113 into the film. So if you watch the film, if you look out for it's, it, appears in a couple of places, I think. Mm-hmm. You see A one one three appear in a couple of different places. It refers to the um, the classroom that the animators learned at the Disney Studios. Um, it's in it's pretty much every Pixar movie. It's in it? all the Pixar movies. In, it's in all the Brad Bird movies. It's yeah. all in there. It's, I think it's even in um, Bugs Life. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's usually it's like it's the registration yeah. of a car or a barcode. It's good, but I think I, I really do think this is my favourite actually of all of them. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, it's Fallout actually calls back to the plot of this one quite a bit whereas in this one you have Russia as as the main plot device with the blowing up of the Kremlin but it's all about stealing nuclear codes set off warheads and destabilise the world 
which is then kind of repeated in the next movie along. So if we go on to the next movie along, which is Rogue Nation. So Christopher McQuarrie is taking over the director's chair from Brad Bird in this one, as Mission Impossible is known to swap directors very quickly. And again, produced by Tom Cruise, J.J. Abrams. And Christopher McQuarrie actually writes a screenplay for this one. Yep. So he's done some very solid screenplays in the past. He's known as a writer. He did Unusual Suspects, which is pretty much... The best way to start off. Yeah, that's not a quality Yeah, he did a great movie that I don't think many other people have seen called Way of the Gun. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a quality film. That, that's a great movie. I think that was his directorial debut. I think. Mm-hmm. I should check for you. I'll be proved wrong now, um, and then I'll be torn apart on Twitter. Yes, by it was his directorial debut, <laughs> and he wrote uncredited. He wrote part of the original X Men movie as well. Branson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um. So, as I said, Chris McCrary's in this, and this is where we get the Syndicate, which was a repeating villain in the final seasons of the original TV series, Keep It Cheap, and this is when they bought the Syndicate, so they had one villain, so they then could just keep cheaply making shows with the US and the English language without having to translate the signs and become a worldwide show. Uh-huh. So we have the Syndicate in this one, so it's basically a rogue MI6 agent versus Ethan Hunt. Is this Sean Harris, this one? Yes, yes. Sean Harris, who is the creepiest villain of the entire he's series. He's a scary-looking man, isn't he, Sean Harris? Is he the naughty daddy from uh, This Is England? I think he is. No. Was he not? No. no. He was in Mad Men. Okay. He's, he's, he's a very well-known character actor. I think he's yeah. done quite a lot of thinking of... He's done quite a lot of... you were thinking of Jared Harris, kid. Oh, yes. Jared Harris was in... Who was Richard Harris's son was in Mad Men. Yeah. Um, Sean Harris was not in This Is England. That guy's name is Johnny Harris. He was in Ashes to Ashes, apparently. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good, done, good, good for him. He's done quite a lot of character acting stuff, and he's, he's yeah. well known for stage, screen, and film. And he is also a well known, regarded writer as well. So he yeah. writes quite a lot of novels. So it's an interesting choice for villain. And apparently, as was reading up about this interview with Chris McCrary, is he didn't want to come back for a sequel, but he is one of the big fans in Fallout. Ah, okay. Which so, I'm yet to see, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yes. But it's, again, so we get Alec Baldwin yep. appearing up, trying to take apart IMF, and then he becomes secretary later on. Classic. Uh, we get Jeremy Renner return, we have Bing Rames return, but we have our first proper strong female lead character in Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Yes. Who's Ilsa Forced. She's great in this. Really, really good. She's the assassin yes. sniper type. Person, she's pretty she? much the female version of Ethan yeah. in this yeah. and it's kind of like she is a direct foil to him rather than mm. being a damsel that needs to be rescued yeah absolutely she's got some agency and power of her own hasn't she yeah. yeah and it's kind of she has a similar backstory of being betrayed by a government whilst trying to do the right thing but I think this is a very solid film here yeah it's, it's not as breathtaking as the predecessor no it, it would be difficult to reach those kind of heights again I don't know he climbs on a plane that intro scene is one yeah. of the, is a fantastic scene it's not climbing up the world's tallest building with a pair of gloves that's true Benji open the door <laughs> I'm working on it I've opened the door not that door yeah. <laughs> it, is one, it is a fantastic brilliant and you do get a little bit of humour I think Adding Simon Pegg to the IMF team has been great to give it a little bit of levity occasionally. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the, he breaks the, the tension. The sometimes. first two films were very straight and sincere, weren't they? Yeah, there was no real humour in them at all. They took themselves very seriously. Is this the one where Marcellus Wallace is back, like a bit more full time now? Uh, Ving Rhames, yeah, he gets yeah. back. Uh, I mean, it's it's fascinating watching Ving Rhames 
change size throughout the films. <laughs> Ryan! That's shocking. <laughs> Body shaming! Yeah, he does get a bit of heft towards him at this film. <laughs> it's because he's got a desk job, it's not his fault. <laughs> Happens to everybody if you yeah. get a desk job. Yeah, I'll pull a bit him at the moment. <laughs> but it is, it is one of the better action films. I think this is where we've got a proper rival to the James Bond franchise, the Bourne franchises. Here's where it's been put together. The only thing that kind of doesn't gel with me in this film is all the quite ridiculous product placement, where you have Simon Pegg playing his Xbox in CIA headquarters, and then a very egregious shot zooming into the Xbox controller. Yeah, it did go way didn't it? What was it playing? Was it Halo 5 Guardians before it had even been released? Yes, it's like, I'm playing Halo, Ethan. I'm busy. What, what was that, Benji? <laughs> Halo. <laughs> Available soon on Xbox. How much did you pay for it, Benji? It was twelve ninety nine. And you notice every single car was either a BMW or a Land Rover. Yeah. There was no other vehicles in the world. Apart it's, all, it's all I had available. I think this is where they had to rely quite a lot on um, Chinese funding. So this is where Alibaba yeah. productions come in. So if you don't know Alibaba, they're one of the biggest companies in the world. They do quite a lot of merchant wholesaling in China. And they've yeah. moved into film production. It kind of rubs a little bit against the rest of the film I think with the egregious product placement yeah I don't think we're used to that level of product placement no anymore. we really know it just it does stick out when you see it you're mm-hmm. right and from a very subtle script we get blatant yes Waxon's <laughs> product placement yes. in, a, in a Wayne's World style yes. yeah. <laughs> pizza gonna move on to Fallout now which Guy and I have seen and we'll try and keep spoilers free and Keith and Graham haven't watched it. We haven't, so we'll just sit here completely no, silent. I do, I do really want to see it. Yeah, I've got to put a bit of work in here. <laughs> yes, oh, got your time to shine, guy. Um, I watched it last night, and the thing that I take away from this film is a cinema experience. Well, I hope you did. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> no. silly, that's what you pay for. So. I mean, it is one of those films. <laughs> Welcome you. to Geeky Brimmy. <laughs> we review films. <laughs> I saw it at a cinema. <laughs> the screen was large. So I went to watch it on the lovely Isense at Broadway, Odin Broadway Plaza with the reclining seats, which were very comfy. Very nice. What, what was your snack choice, Ryan? Uh, Maltesers Buttons. Oh, very nice. Interesting okay. combination. Did you, what drinks do you have? Uh, Diet Coke. Okay. Not San Pellegrino, unfortunately. Did you make it in time to see the trailers? Yes, we did. We're well, just talking about the experience now, because this is what yes. you had, so... <laughs> this is the review. What's the floor sticky? No. Oh, nice. So, do you know what? When I saw it, the person behind me kept squeaking their trainers. Uh, who in their right mind thinks that's a good idea? So if you squeak your trainers once, you know it's a, it's a sure by sign. Sit still. Yeah, you, don't, don't move. You don't do it again, do you? How are you but squeaking your trainers in these reclining chairs? just like... It's kind of like... Oh, just, right. yeah. Shall we get on to the film? What I mean is, <laughs> such a big bombastic action sequences, it's better to be seen on the big screen than at home. I think it's. Def- I think you're still talking about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely worth watching on the big screen. I mean, the the set pieces are back here, so we have the Halo jump, which has been talked a lot about in the press, where um, Tom Cruise nearly does it a hundred times to get five minutes yeah. worth of footage out. High attitude, oh, low like, open, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like that injury kind of looks like not as bad as a sprained ankle, if you ask me. <laughs> what, where he breaks his ankle jumping off a building? <laughs> I think like, I got it worse. He like, didn't rescue a spider at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I was reading that interview with Hollywood Reporter and Christian McQuarrie, which basically said they went into this film with a 33-page script, which was basically they know they wanted to do it <coughs> as the first franchise direct sequel. So this plot follows directly on here from Rogue Nation. Right. And it's kind of, they won't, Winged it a little bit. Just made it up. So, oh, Cruise, jump off that. <laughs> I'll film it. Well, <laughs> right in front of that. The, the synopsis is 
Tom Cruise gets betrayed again. Oh no! This time by the CIA <sighs> rather than the INF. Poor old Tom, he's always getting betrayed, isn't he? But it's it's kind of there's quite a lot of beats referring back to the original film. I mean, we get a sequence where he's doing free climbing, which rolls back to Mission Impossible 2. Wow. We understand a lot more about his motivation, about how he wants to make sure that every member of his team lives. And this refers back to the first mission about pretty much his entire team gets killed off and he's the only one surviving as a lone survivor at this point. Wow. Whereas this is, he kind of like, he'll do anything to save his team members at the expense of himself. Do we think he'll get betrayed again in Mission Impossible 7? I don't know. He's 56 <laughs> now. So it was 55, I think, when I was recording this. Do you know what? I would happily pay money for a cinema experience like you did uh, <laughs> to see Tom Cruise just run for an hour and a half. I would happily watch yeah. him run on screen. Oh my God, it's amazing. He's the best runner, isn't oh. it? He runs like to the, the T-1000 in Terminator 2. So hands bizarre. at the side. Uh, full on run. <laughs> He's a fantastic runner. Yes. So I would happily pay for that cinema experience. Well, Guy, what were your thoughts about Mission Impossible Fallout? Which they didn't call MI6 on purpose, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that's why they changed stuff. Where it's like, oh, nice. we're getting a bit close now to MI5, MI6. Whoops. <laughs> um, yeah. Fantastic yeah. film review. <laughs> in depth, in depth filmic critique. There, did you guy. see it at a cinema, guy? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What was your snack choice? Uh, I took a half-eaten bag of Skittle sours that my girlfriend left in the fridge. Uh, I didn't finish them all, and I bought a bottle of pop from Morrison's because I didn't want to pay the prices in the cinema. Classy all the way. Did you smuggle it? Yeah. I didn't know. Oh. What was it? Was it your own Mission Impossible to smuggle that past the usher? You, I think you are allowed to take a drink in with I think that's. <laughs> I think you are allowed. <laughs> I like because the bag of Skittles was already half open. They were foldable and put it. And I put them in my did, pocket. Did you have? Did you hum the Lalo Schifrin theme as you were walking into the screen to take it your crawled on the floor <laughs> to get into the screen room? Yeah. <laughs> I saw a spider and that's an, that's an army crawl. Did, did your rescue of the spider happen after you'd watched Miss Impossible? It did. Yes. So uh, you were yeah. thinking that you were Ethan Hunt after this. I think yeah. You were like a seven-year-old that had just been to see Superman. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realised, actually, no, I'm just a fat guy who crushed his own ankle. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's my review of Mission Impossible. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's what you expect. I think that, um, without spoilers to these guys, I don't think the Michelle Monaghan bit, I think it was shoehorned in. It's kind of like, yeah. it's like anybody, uh, anybody want to try and get her into this film? Uh, how can we do it? Uh, yeah, okay. Last, yeah, we'll just squeeze her Oh, yeah, just see, we go. It's an after four. Yeah. Um, Ryan, what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Is how you feel this franchise will go forward, given the the slate of I am a person who puts on a cape and I can fly and I save the world style movies that are out there these days. Can a franchise like this survive? I think I asked an intelligent question. <laughs> that, was, that was a penetrating question from a guy there, wasn't it? I think this film, as I mentioned before, it's seen as the American franchise for Bond films now, and it hangs very much around Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is now the central pivot of all these films, and if he left or took back a role a little bit I don't know how that franchise would see- succeed I mean we had Jeremy, Jeremy Renner Jeremy Renner's <laughs> no. introduction and he couldn't be in this film because he was supposed to be on Infinity War was it I mean, it's, not, born. it's yeah. not been a good year for Jeremy Renner really, no. has it well he pulled out of Mission Impossible Fallout to do Infinity War and then wasn't even in the first part of the two movies. which leads me to another question you haven't even uh, you haven't even broached it the Henry Cavill 
uh, scenario because obviously everybody will know that he had to have digital makeup effects done. The, the moustache, yes. In Justice League because he was still filming scenes for pickup scenes for Mission well, Impossible. How, what's he, what's he, how does he come across? Is, he, is it a good role? Is it worth... He um, comes. Yeah. A, he comes across very much as he does in Man from Uncle, which ties back into that whole thing about yeah, spy fantasy. And it was actually, I thought it was a really good film. I think him and it, Arnie, Hammer, was, Arnie Hammer worked yeah. really well together. And I'm quite surprised they never did go around to make a sequel to that. But without giving away spoilers, I don't think you should place your bets on Henry Cavill sticking around the franchise for very long. My uh, my friend who I'd seen with pointed out that at one point there's a fight in a bathroom and uh, Henry Cavill like he, he he almost like pulls his arms back like like you reloads know like, yeah. like basically like reloads his arms like a gun. <laughs> yes, that's become a bit of a thing on, on Twitter. Everyone's <laughs> but, obsessed with Henry Cavill's reloading arms. It, it's quite it's quite interesting when you have um, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill stood, stood next to each other on set because Henry Cavill is quite an imposing he's a big lad, size isn't he? guy and then you've got Tom Cruise looking up at him like he's not a big lad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's kind of like the complete difference but um, it's very much summed up by the director of CIA in this Mission Impossible is Halloween it's people running around with masks trying to be subversive and rather than be direct confrontational, it's all about misdirection and misplays mm. rather than attacking the foe directly. Yeah. How does the score work in it? Uh, I mean, it's there. It, Michael it Giacchino <laughs> was apparently tipped to come back with this one, but he couldn't because he was doing another film. Infinity War. Yes. He got in it, but <laughs> Renner didn't. <laughs> so it was a guy who I've not heard before, Lorne Balf. Yeah, okay. Which I've not really heard of before, but it is a... Solid. For our listeners there, Brian just dropped a tablet <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> he wouldn't but make a very good Mission Impossible. <laughs> All the alarms have just gone off. We're disavowing him, don't talk to him. So you've got Lorne Balf doing the score, who I've not really heard of before any of his previous work, but it's it's a competent score. And again, it's just riffing on that original Leila Schifrin theme and the plot music, which is used repeatedly throughout here. Just, is there any kind of celebrity version of the theme in this one? Uh, no, I don't think no. so. Okay. Um, I mean, you've got Angela Bassett is the CR director. Couldn't get her right, but she's brilliant in this. And you get Vanessa Kirby, which again is a callback to the original film. She is the daughter of the weapons dealer in the first Mission Impossible movie. Okay. Oh. So it's a nice way to tie the title back in. Yeah. Just wrapping up this whole section, I guess. Uh, how was your cinema experience? Thoroughly enjoyable. And I would would go, you go back to your local cinema again based on the experience that you had watching Mission Impossible Fallout? Well, as a meerkat movies user, I get half price cinema tickets, it's worth it. Has Ryan's experience at the cinema encouraged you both to go for an experience at the cinema? I think I do now want a similar cinema-based experience, yes, definitely. In a reclining chair, just put a wall. A non-sticky floor. Yes. Make sure that you don't wear trainers. You can get a little tray that you can like, slide around. Oh, very nice. To put your snacks on. Did you put the snacks on the tray? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did any of the Maltesers roll out the bag? No, they're Maltesers buttons. What are Maltesers? Hang on a minute. It's what are Maltesers buttons? It's, it's like IMF technology. This is they've taken a Malteser and flattened it into a button shape with I'm chocolates. Not, I'm not sure. I'm happy about this design. So, Maltesers so, are spherical. That's it. So imagine yeah. a Cadbury's button. But right. with Malteser. I'm not sure. But scattered that. into it. I just feel like if I wanted that, I'd eat a button. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, <laughs> so, did you feel that they, because you've never had these before, that they enriched the cinema experience? 
Yes, for that and the 4DX sound. Dolby Atmos. So that's a, another recommendation for a cinema experience. Yes. Yeah, I mean, go to your local cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Buy some minstrels. Support, support your local cinema. Thank you for listening to our show about Mission Impossible. <laughs> Enjoy the cinema experience. <laughs> but to some of the film... Uh, that for, Ryan saw in the cinema. It's a very... It's been lauded as the best Mission Impossible yet quite a lot. That's and a I think it's way. it's got like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes at the minute, which is very strong. Cinema score's got it at A. Score's going to settle down after a while. I think IMDb's, yeah, IMDb's 9.5, I think, the last time I checked at the minute. So it's been very, very yeah, well-reviewed, highly reviewed. But to me, Ghost Protocol still pips it. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of people having a very good cinema experience just getting that high of results. <laughs> and that's pretty much it for Mission Impossible. Keith, any final thoughts from you? I shall be going to a cinema to experience it shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, will you also be experiencing it on the big screen? If I can afford an experience at the cinema, I will. If not, I shall experience it at home. But sit closer to the telly. I will. <laughs> to get that full, to get that full cinema experience. And I'll get some Maltese as well. Skittle sours. If you have a young child and they have one of those baby chairs, you could sit in that very close to the screen to get that full reclining cinema experience. Get a, get a partner to sit behind you and kick your chair repeatedly. Oh, and if you don't have any flat Maltesers, just... Let them let them warm up a little bit in this weather. Make popcorn the previous day, then reheat it slightly. <laughs> yes. Oh, lovely. Just that's full of And open your can of Coke a day or two before and let it go flat. Go to the oh. go to the loo, spray all over. Oh. <laughs> it seems experience. like a lot of effort to reproduce the cinema experience <laughs> at home. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy Show this week. Graham, where can we find you normally? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jaws19Show. Or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Jaws19show. Put up videos on a pretty much weekly basis, usually every Saturday. And what are the videos about? They are about anything generally to do with movies. I do top fives uh, in certain categories, like my five favourite movie cars or movie hats or movie dogs. Uh, I do quizzes. Just general movie ramblings, really. Cool. Thank you. Keith, where can we find you? When, when you're not, not ripping apart pieces of paper on the floor. I'm getting in trouble all the time. Stop being at school again. Um, <laughs> I'm just getting in trouble all week. This is unfair. What have I done? Nothing at all. Uh, nobody, nobody saw me do it. You can't prove anything. Um, yeah, on the old uh, Twitters, it's hard look underscore hotel. Just take the underscore off pretty much everywhere else. Mr. Nod Twibbler extraordinaire. Twibbler. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Where can we find you online? Currently, uh, doing the colouring on my tablet here. Quite nice. It's it's nice, isn't it? That's beautiful. So you've okay. changed your profile picture back to being yourself now, so people can find you. While you're yes, first. I'm no longer in hiding from uh, complaining about Morrison angry staff. Morrison stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, vinyl guy hates Instagram. Where I post record pictures. I'm supposed to be on a vinyl like diet this month. It ain't gonna last. Guy underscore Halford on Twitter. Yeah, I guess. Have we actually <laughs> used that Twitter account in the last month or two? And I just linked to the pictures of the vinyl. Because <laughs> that is me. That's my personality. My records. My records tell you everything about my emotion. Mm-hmm. And you can find me. <laughs> Not <laughs> poo job. Go for a job. <laughs> 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 job. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't find you doing a job though, would we, sir? <laughs> Coming from you, that is bloody cheeky. I am injured. I'm in, I, I am I am wheelchair-bound Calendanes. Yeah, I am, I am a... Badly injured man, so I'll be up and running again, and I will be poo jogging when I've got this. Find me 
at Ryan Parish on Twitter, and you can find the food blog at brummygourmand.com and brummygourmand on Twitter as well. And don't forget, you can find us all at geekybrummy.com in the week. You can find us at geekybrummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever your social medias are. See, Phil's not here to make the ridiculous jokes about which social media services we're on this week. He hasn't done that for a while, has he? I know. Well, anyway, find us online, and don't forget to follow the amazing Mr. Jaws19 at Jaws19 Show. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>